Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. When your life and your business grow as a result of what you're about to discover, please call me and tell me about it. The number to leave a voicemail is one 888 844-GROW. That's 1-888-844-4769. Long distance charges may apply. Dial now to call me, connect, share your personal story of how my interviews have helped, or share your current challenges and frustrations so I can connect you with an appropriate course, coach, or help you if you connect. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by Dr. Buck Parker. And Dr. Parker is an emergency and trauma surgeon in Salt Lake City, Utah. He started an e-commerce business during his residency in 2007. Since then, he's built a YouTube and Instagram account with over 200,000 followers and subscribers, and he helps high school and college students learn how to study to stay focused and motivated for the long term. His flagship study course has had over 2,000 students enrolled in it, and today we are talking with him to discuss not only how we can stay better focused and learn faster, but also to learn some of the trends and history he's been through all these years online. So, Dr. Parker, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing great, man. How are you, how are you doing? I'm good. I've just had my morning walk. We have a bit of a time zone difference. The time of this recording, I'm in Vietnam. Nice morning walk, morning routine. I'm pumped. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. But I want to know, before you got into becoming a doctor, how did you, like how did this come about? Do you have other entrepreneurs in the family? Was that where you thought, maybe I get something online going? How did you end up building a following online and, and a course and all that? Is that something kind of you were influenced into or stumbled upon? Yeah, my parents owned, were uh, business owners, um, owned a, just a restaurant and motel. My grandfather built his own business. So I guess those kind of things had some influence on me just that I wanted to build my own business. And I was going to school, but I, I was thinking like, what is this, you know, how can I do my own business? How can I kind of like take control of my destiny kind of thing instead of just, you know, working for the man (laughs) type Mm. of thing. So that's, I had always been thinking about that since probably 16, 17. And, but I, I took the kind of safer route, like, you know, institutions, you know, undergrad, med mm-hmm. school, all that stuff. But it was always in the back of my mind. And then in 2006, like mid-2006, I did, I started on a research year in residency. So I was a second, I was a, actually, I did two years of residency and then that was my research year. And I had all of a sudden a bunch of time and I started researching 
you know, online businesses and e-commerce stores and things like that. And so that's kind of where that started. I just searched around here and there, but I, I really just started that in 2006, mid-2006, really starting to research and get serious about maybe building my own business. And do you remember what the landscape was like back then? I mean, because I've been, I think you've been online longer than I have by maybe a year or two or so. And what do you remember what the landscape was like? I mean, I know in the early days, certain things were way easier, way different than they are now. Can you speak to that a little bit? Like, what was your first experience? Wet your palate and made you want more? That's interesting. I think, I don't know where I found them, but I just found these guys like selling ebooks, you know, and it was like some of them were about cars and others were about training your dog and stuff like that. And I was like, hey, I can, I can make an ebook. And so then I think I got kind of sucked into probably their, you know, sales funnel. And, and I, I don't know where I found the people teaching how to do that. And I, I did find this one company, it was called Stompernet. And it was basically that. two guys. <laughs> yeah, it was two guys that uh, one, one guy had like a wedding store or wedding favor store. And another guy was selling like swords and medieval stuff online and and they were doing really well and then they just taught like how they did that and so that's kind of where I started learning most of it but as far as the landscape like you know it was pretty primitive I think Google AdWords were maybe a, a year or two old maybe a little bit more but not a lot of people were using them mm-hmm. how they should have been using them I mean I I was when I figured that stuff out and I, I started using Google AdWords myself, I was paying 10 cents a click. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of my, a lot of my customers were, or a lot of people coming to my site were uh, going through that ad and then had, were already sold on my product. And so they would buy it. So you're, mm. you know, it was very, very cheap. Like I was, I was paying a couple dollars for a customer and profit like $40. So it was, right. it was killer. insane. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, I remember those days. And back in those days, too, at Google, you got to number one on Google with your ad by paying more and bidding more. There was no, like, Google hadn't come yeah. out with the algorithm yet that, you know, that based on quality and what you bid, you'll yes. go to the top. So if you have a great performing ad, even if you underbid, you still might show up. Like, it, it was just the Wild West bike that back then. A lot of people didn't know, a lot of people knew the potential or saw potential, but a lot of people didn't quite know where things were going, and it was this thing. And I remember I... I helped this company do a couple million dollars online. This is later than when you were first, 2006, 2007, of course. But I remember uh, the CEO they brought in from Silicon Valley, he kind of like totally disregarded this online thing. Like, what are you doing? You need to get on the phone. Like, what are you doing? We need to build our sales team. Like, we need to train up reps and a manager. Mm-hmm. And then we did $1.6 million through online sales without any staff whatsoever. And then he got, I got his attention. But yeah, that's like speaking to the – like, people just didn't think – it was possible. They didn't understand what the power or what they were working with at the time. So right. So that's so. What happened next? So all right, it's 2006, 2007. Is that where you started off with? Was selling eBooks with Google AdWords? Is that kind of how you got going? Was that? Yeah, I, I actually built the website first, and so I spent about six months, like maybe a little bit more, learning, researching, and then building the site. And I opened in April of 2007. And I had been doing my own SEO kind of like writing articles and posting them on websites and trying to do all this stuff and getting my own backlinks and things like that. And when I opened, I opened with just AdWords 
and I did like thirty or forty thousand dollars the first month, and I was like, "Holy crap!" You know, this stuff works. <laughs> and the company I was I was an affiliate for called me or like, "What are you doing? Like nobody else is, you know, doing this stuff." And and then uh, my SEO started to kick in a couple of months later, and it just like kept you know kept going uh, on top of that. And then I realized that I was getting a ton of people to come to the site but they weren't buying right away. And so I was like, okay, well, I started researching the whole, you know, email marketing stuff and having, and I wrote an ebook about the products or about my experience with the products and then kind of also broke that ebook up into, like they could opt in to get the ebook or get like, Blog articles. you know, a bunch of emails. Oh, yeah, got it, got uh, it, okay. That, that, like, so post. kind of like a nurture campaign type of thing. And so, I started doing that, and that was amazing because people were, you know, responding to these e- to these marketing emails like, "This is amazing content." Not they didn't, they didn't use content, but this is amazing. This changed my life. I'm using your, you know, tips, and this is so great. Thank you so much. And you know, then I I liked it so much. I got your products, and so that I was like, "Oh wow, okay, this this is cool. Like this is all mm-hmm. working." So anyway, I time 2007 like. I think July comes around and I had to go back into my residency. So then I started my third year. I actually, like I, I was, I had a friend help me ship with shipping and, and all that stuff. And I ended up getting a warehouse to drop ship for me. Oh. The company did not drop, didn't have drop shipping set up. So I was actually paying shipping twice. I was shipping to my, to my warehouse and then they were drop shipping and I was paying for shipping and I was still making money because of the cheap advertising. So I went back into residency and then I had like, it was tough to manage both. And so I actually like hired my mom for a little bit to to do like customer (laughs) service and then ended up hiring somebody else a little bit later. And and then about a year or a year and a half after that, a lot of people in the, in uh, they were selling that product realized how powerful it was, like how in demand it was. And so they started spending a lot of money on advertising and marketing and stuff like that for their own websites. And so that's when I sort of draw, I wasn't, I didn't continue the SEO because I was like number two for their main product on Google for a while. And that just crushed it. And then a lot of people figured that out. They started spending more money than I was mm-hmm. to do their marketing and stuff. And so they, I kind of got pushed off the first page. And after that, you know, it's, it's just, it's only AdWords. And, and then that, environment started to change a little bit and it wasn't as profitable and, and things and so kind of uh, drifted out of that just still in residency so right the site's still up but it doesn't do any uh revenue i'm so, still thinking about bringing so it back this was this was for an affiliate product this wasn't your own product at the time correct mm-hmm. got it okay okay so then what happened you decided to create some of your own products then or yeah so then uh then actually i tried to when I finished residency in 2010 I tried to go back to that the same company and sell some other their other products but meanwhile I think you know the whole everything changed like the environment changed online and that company changed a lot and their products were different and there was a lot more people doing the same thing I was and so it wasn't it was really tough and so I said okay well let me maybe make my own product I actually did at like a weight loss course, like just me talking about science and, and some kind of uh, motivation and things like that. And I, I started to market that like in 2013 and I was getting a really good response with the 
the ads and I, I did like a a video sequence like a free video sequence mm-hmm. uh, almost you know of a nurture campaign type of thing and that was doing really well but i i couldn't convert them to sales and i'm not sure i don't know what i was doing at that time but then mm-hmm. i got sidetracked and changed some things and then in 2015 i actually got on a tv show with bear grills and i was there i did a a survival show I was on an island for a month with no food or water with a bunch of other guys and, what and then survivor? after that when it wasn't survivor it was called the island and it was a kind of almost like a knockoff of survivor but a little bit different okay but when that show started to play around the world i would get these kids from india and africa and the united states too but everywhere around the world the philippines saying hey i saw you on the show i want to be a doctor you know what's it like how did you do that what did you do how much did you study all these things so then I took all that stuff, information in and said, okay, well, you know, maybe I should do start doing YouTube or Instagram or social media, whatever. I tried some Facebook for a while. Couldn't really get any traction. Then I started doing just, I told myself, okay, I'm going to do just very consistent posts, you know, three to four times a week with Instagram, very raw stuff, exactly what happened to me, you know, it, whether it's embarrassing or sad or, you know, it was awesome, or just whatever was authentic. So I started doing that. That really got traction, and then I translated that over to YouTube and just started answering those questions those kids were asking me. And so that's what, what got me traction, and I, and I just decided to do that. I said, okay, you know, I'm going to give myself one year, very consistent, and see where I'm at. And about nine months in, I had about 100,000 followers on Instagram, like 50,000 on YouTube, and decided, hey, maybe I can monetize this. So that's when I built another like a video course, but it was just teaching high school and college students how to study, how to mm. study, you know, to mostly to be, if you want to go into medicine, you know, what are you, how are you going to have to study? You're probably going to have to study eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, you know, six, seven days a week for a long time. A lot mm. of people can't do that or don't want to do it, or they don't know how to do that. That's what I did. So I built a program on that. And then I launched that in about two weeks. We, we did like 1200 members in that. And then over the, that was, last year 2018 right yeah 2018 so it's a little bit over a year old that's awesome that's so awesome so now having shared this story looking back do you feel you like figured out some things and milestones because you know you're doing paid ads in the beginning but then you those dropped off like do you feel you went through some like phases that you would call like could you identify phases and, and things that you had to learn and develop as like skill sets on your journey yeah, for sure. I think, you know, at the beginning, I was doing everything. I was trying to design the website. <laughs> I was right. trying to, you know, I was writing articles. I was creating my own backlinks. I was doing my own ads. In the meantime, I was, you know, basically trying to get information to teach me how to do this. So that was really difficult. But it also, I think that phase, like, helped me understand how all these things go together and now i can hire somebody to do that uh-huh. and i know if they're doing a good job or not a good job and right. if they're charging it too much or or whatever so even though it's like super slow to do all that stuff i think it's good i don't know maybe i did it for too long probably could have hired people earlier in the game i did hire somebody to do like most of the website it was actually a yahoo store i don't know if you ever uh built or worked with a Yahoo store, but it was 
No. Kind of torture, but but anyway. So I, somebody <laughs> I did that. Yahoo groups for so a nonprofit, yeah. Invisible Children, but never a yeah. So yeah, that was definitely the first phase, and then the second, I think, probably is is learning that you know you do need you can't be the expert at everything, mm. um, and you shouldn't be the expert at everything, and you need to hire people that are better. And once you start hiring people, that most people are better than you because they are <laughs> an expert in their field, and they produce things you know, way faster and way cheaper than what you could do. Because, you know, if you think about yourself, what is the dollar value you give yourself for an hour? And if I have to learn like some program in order to make, you know, a logo, like that's going to take me four days to learn the program. Mm-hmm. And then I come mm-hmm. up with a logo that's terrible when somebody else can do it and, you know, less than that, less time, make it way better. It's more professional, all that stuff. Yeah. If you so want then, to make $100 uh, an yeah. hour, don't do $10 an hour work. Yeah, exactly. So I had to learn that one, and that was really important to get a team, to realize I need a team and I mm. can't just do all this stuff by myself because I think a lot of people go out, set out on making their own business and then they're the only person. They're like, oh, I'm going to save all this money. I don't want to pay anybody. But that's like the, the worst mentality. way to do it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, you're not going to. I mean, you can make a few dollars here and there, but it's never going to be right. very successful. It's, it's, and it's not going to be ever any, it's probably not going to be any fun because you're going to be working nonstop and yeah. you're going to feel like, all the pressure's on spending your my shoulders. And yeah. yeah. And then the stuff is like not even any good. And you don't, you can't focus on the things that you're really good, that you are the expert at, you know, mm. that was the one. And then I think the third phase kind of thing is, is realizing that you can't, not only can you not do that stuff alone, but you also can't really go big without partners, without mm. strategic partners. And I think, I think that helps a lot too. And then honestly, I've kind of learned this over the last couple of years, but I just had it reiterated to me today by somebody else. I was just watching a video and they're like, you know, you can't really be that successful without money. Mm. <laughs> so, so like, you know, once you get things going, and they're profitable, then you need to, if in order to really do well, you need capital. Mm. And I think that's what the, the big boys do. And most entrepreneurs are not really big boys and they just kind of go, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this stuff, stuff by myself, but nobody that ever does anything really, really significant does it by themselves. Mm. I definitely agree with that. I definitely agree that getting rich is a team sport and I definitely yeah. agree that there's kind of always any project, any endeavor, there's time, knowledge, and money that's usually required. And it's very rare you have all three. So you need to seek someone else. I don't know about the money thing, though. I mean, I guess because when you said that, I was like, I guess Elon went, like, took Tesla public because he needed the funds. Not because, you know, yeah. not because he wanted to, but because he needed it to go bigger. I have mixed feelings about that personally, just because I have a bunch of friends in the Silicon Valley of the North, they call it which is the Ottawa area. Shopify is based out of there. All these other big companies are based out of this uh, this area, the Glebe in Ottawa. And anyways, one of them, he sold his company. I think he said he sold it for something like $500 million. But he said he walked away with less in his own pocket than if he didn't take venture capital. And it only grew like one-fifteenth the size it grew. He, I, f- I remember he was, mm. he was really kind of raw, but because it was his life passion, he'd spent, you know, 15-something-plus years 
but it was because he took mm. outside money. It grew a lot bigger, and he said it was great for his ego, but at the end of the day, if he had just kept it all to himself. But I, it's a tough thing because it's all hindsight, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah. I think you have to be really totally. careful with that because I know of people personally that are doing you know high volume, like a million dollars in sales a month, and they were able to get there because they had strategic partners. Like I know one guy, he, yeah. he he took someone's offline business and took it online. He partnered with them and said, hey, I'm, you've had this business in your family for a couple generations. Let me do an online version. They partnered with him. Then he got a bunch of investors and he went from like zero to a million a month super fast. But I know that because of the VC capital, they're having issues where, and I have another friend that's doing that right now. They just had their first, December last year, they hit a million dollars in a single month. And they finished the year out just under $2 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're having some sort of issue where it's about profitability now. It's like, okay, well, we've got all this money. We've got things up and running. But now it's like, how do we really make profit off this now? Because we've got to pay all these people back. You know, and, and, people, yeah. and they don't, they lose control. I'm not saying don't do it. I haven't done it myself. I'm not an expert in this, you know, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit because I think you're right. I, yeah. think, I think whenever there's a massive project, you do need lots of people and you need like, I definitely think that needing to build a team and it, maybe you do need some money. I just want to just put that word of caution out there for people just before they think that yeah. getting funding is the holy grail itself. I think like for you... No, I don't, yeah. don't want to say, yeah, it's a holy grail for sure. But I just think that if you do, most of the time, if you want to uh, go pretty big, mm-hmm. I think you do need some kind of outside. Now, like I have not done that and I have no expert in that whatsoever but i i just like it's repeated to me Mm -hmm. uh from a lot of other people that have Mm -hmm. done really well they they keep saying like that's that's kind of what takes you Mm -hmm. to the you know like next level now i do agree with you that there's a lot of people that will take your money if you give it to them you know so you you have to be super careful Mm -hmm. for sure with that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, but I definitely think like money is an accelerator. And so if you have, yes. like this is a quote I got from a mentor a long time ago. And I think it's really valid that money solves all problems a lack of money creates. So, for example, if you're trained to be, you know, you want to go to the Olympics and you don't have the best equipment. Well, if you had money, you could have the best equipment. If you're trained to go to the Olympics and you don't have the best trainers or you don't have a nutritionist or you don't have somebody because, right, money will fix that problem for you. Money will fix a lot of problems. It will. But it only solves problems a lack of money creates. Money can't fix everything. So that's why I think what's important, and at least in your story, for you, like you've really vetted this thing that you've been building forever. And, and now that you've, you know, you know it, you know the ins and outs, you've been in the market for so many years, you have all this reputation. It's kind of like, you know, the leverage spots, I think now where money could be applied effectively for a lot of people. They're like out the gates, they've got, you know, they, they, it's, they get referred, you know, it's a, I don't know, they're rubbing elbows, they just show up and they do a great present, you know, and then they're, they're in, in this business, it's a long ride, like you're married to that money, you don't just get to make that, you know, and then walk away and do what you want with the business, mm-hmm. it's, it's a catch-22, but I think that there's definitely, definitely value to be able to throw gasoline on a fire, but you have to make sure you got some sparks <laughs> first, I think that's a really important Yeah really important and just to be careful and how it's structured because there's a lot of people that want to make money for just signing checks and they're happy to have you work yeah. 24 hours a day to make that money for yep. them so yeah but uh Absolutely. i think it's fantastic so okay 
So in the beginning, you had to figure out kind of the landscape, all the skill sets required that enabled you to then more effectively hire and build a team of people doing those things because you'd done the work yourself and also helped you kind of learn to appreciate and value you know, their, their time, yeah. you have to pay someone and it's money. And, you know, we all kind of hate spending money. We love making money and hate spending money really, but it helped you value what people do for you more. And then now you said like, now you really understand the power of strategic partners, how one or two key partners can really fill in gaps that you're missing. And all of a sudden things go better. And then it sounds like the next level was now that we've got the team, now that we've got the business and the product and the marketing and all that, now we just need some gasoline for this fire. And that's where you're like, you want some mm-hmm. funding. Does that sound accurate at all in terms of your progression? Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, it's exactly, yeah. So where would you apply these funds? If someone waved a magical wand and wanted to invest a million dollars in your company right now, how would that best be applied, do you think? Today, anybody can be Nike, right? Mm. Because basically what Nike did was take athletes, leverage them, leverage their, you know, their trust of the public to sell their shoes mm-hmm. nike shoes personally i don't think they're any better than any other shoes but we just now it's been so long you know they have the best kind of reputation they have all the best athletes convincing us influencing us mm-hmm. to buy their shoes and i think right this landscape the best thing you could do with your money is have influencers promote your products or Mm. yourself or whatever it is. I think it's, that's also a slippery slope because some people, uh, influencers don't really know their value and some people think it's way higher than it is. And some people think it's way lower than it is. And Mm. so it's, there's, it's tougher to nail down exactly what to do with them and how to do it. But I do think that when you do it right it's pretty powerful yes so i think that's probably where i where i would do that yeah i just did an interview last night i can speak to this a little bit i did an interview last night with a gentleman that opened up a chain of stores and he was a famous snowboarder and all the staff that he had at his stores there was like a culture that they built and it was all about this lifestyle of you know being able to work and make good money during the day and then at night be able to go boarding and do you know live that lifestyle type thing Mm -hmm. and everybody that worked for him were all trying to make it as pro boarders and stuff but what happened was that they had teams and they would showed up to competitions and they would win these competitions and so their clothing line started to represent like a brand and a you know and a type of people and a group of people and it was almost like he built a team of influencers at his store because he was enabling yeah. people and understanding them and he would sponsor his own you know his own staff to be their own athletes and stuff and and that's kind of like how that's gone and even just like Paris Hilton and these other people they became famous through being famous they became famous through <laughs> yeah. rubbing elbows it became a popularity contest and a gossip contest who could be talked about the most and still hold their head up high and not in the sense of like i want people to talk bad about me but who can walk that really fine line so that way everybody's mm-hmm. talking about you but it's nothing that you know you're gonna hate it's gonna destroy your life and career over and it's almost like mm-hmm. that and then it's that growth and then i remember once we were doing a project it was for women over 35 who are very physically active and we were trying to reach influencer them through influencers on Instagram. And we had one influencer at a following of 20,000 followers 
and it worked like gangbusters. It was like the it was just mm-hmm. it was amazing. And then we rolled out to all these other influencers that had larger followings, and the quality dropped off a cliff. And it was we realized that some of them, one of them, we targeted that we thought like their channel looked like it would appeal to a forty year old active female, mm-hmm. but vast majority of their followers were eighteen to twenty four year old Indian boys. Like out of India, <laughs> that was like the eighty percent. They had like a million <laughs> followers, and they were all eighteen-year-old Indian boys, and that's not our market. So when you do the influencer marketing, it's really important that you get that stuff lined up. Like I think I know exactly what you're yeah. saying. Some of them were like ridiculous. Like I want five thousand dollars to do a single post on Instagram, but you're looking, you're like you have a million followers, but you get ten thousand likes on a post. Like why is that worth five? Like they're just yeah. totally disconnected. And then you have the uh, flip side where they, you know, they just, they want, like, they don't know their worth, but then they're, it's almost like they want more time. Like, okay, but can you send me some of the product? And it's not a bad thing, yeah. but they just, they, can you send me some of the product? And what are your product? Like, they just, they, it's almost like they take up too much time and they want to be too involved. And it's like, they're, it's great, but their following isn't big enough to warrant, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, I don't know if I'm articulating this clearly, but you kind of have those two sides, people with massive followings that want the world and whether it delivers or not. And then there's people that don't know and they're huge time vampires. But if you can find that sweet spot, I think that's super powerful. There's a company right now called SIGS. It's a, it's a scrubs company. They actually make pretty good scrubs, but they have over the last two years, I've watched them and they have just absolutely destroyed the marketplace. And they are everywhere. Like, Every single medical influencer from, you know, pre-medical students who have 5,000 followers to anybody, 200,000, a million followers, they have everybody in their scrubs. And it is crazy. And they, and like, I went to Los Angeles not too long ago. They've got, I mean, they were not big company. And now they've got billboards like in Hollywood mm. of all, I mean, they are everywhere. <laughs> so they, and, but you know, these kids like don't understand the, what their worth is. And so they're like, send me a pair of scrubs and I'll like post them, mm. you know, all like, like 50 times this year. And mm. every, all these kids are doing, they're not getting any cash. They're yep. just getting like, Free they're sending them pens and yep. like a, you know, like bullshit, things like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're so happy to get it because they're just like young kids. They don't know the value of that right now. So yeah. they destroyed it. Yeah. It's huge potential. And with a tool like Instagram, especially right now, it's still the Wild West because even on Facebook, if I reach out to someone, there's kind of like layers of protection, meaning like I actually had a podcast interview with another guy and he messaged me because uh, his internet, he just moved his internet out. But it went to a different folder in Facebook. Like, it didn't come to my main inbox. So you, like, have to click, like, three times to get to this other Mm -hmm. messages Mm -hmm. folder. So you've got, like, a normal folder for friends, family, and then a spam folder. LinkedIn, you have to be connected with someone to send them a message, right? There's that thing. But on Instagram, I could look up Bill Gates and send him a DM. And if he logs into his account... (laughs) He like it's gonna go to him, right now. How many yeah. people does he have? How many people are messaging him? Right, like it could just be like a stock ticker of incoming messages. Some of these people just get so many damn notifications and messages. But the reality is that direct access is now there. Like it's super easy. And if you yeah. actually are willing to work a little bit, I mean the the walls have come down. I mean pre-internet, you would have to get on a plane, you'd have to fly, you'd have to follow them around to whatever, like figure out their schedule and like 
probably buy people lunch that know who they are so you can figure out where to try to like run into them, you know, and organize these chance meetings. Now you can just sit on your couch in your underwear, pick up your phone, send them a message and get Nicki Minaj or whoever to like do your, you know, to do a shout out. Like it, it's crazy. Yeah. You know, you get what you negotiate. It is nuts. Yeah. And if you yep. can corral a bunch of people on to promote your stuff, I think that can be incredibly powerful. You can go, I have a friend, they launched in the health space uh, with diabetes. And they went from unknown to, I think they did something like three or $4 million in 18 months. And it was because they basically went around and they interviewed all the leading experts in the diabetes field. And they released this documentary series around it. And it was like they were just selling the documentary. The full, do- you, all their only product was get all the episodes, like get you know they kind of made one free a week uh-huh. and you could watch it live but then if you wanted them all you had to pay for it but then what they did is they back end sold all these experts products to that list and it was like by <laughs> they so it's like they got the 10 15 20 40 leaders of an industry to all promote mm-hmm. a single thing a single event and they built a list out of that and then everybody just kind of based on their participation was lined up afterwards to just have their stuff mentioned on the back end and it, it was like overnight, they went from nowhere to industry leaders, like leading in terms Amazing. of list size, in terms of authority. And it was all through influencers. It was all through. Now, it was kind of a different thing. It wasn't just messaging someone on LinkedIn or, or Instagram and sending them, you know, some sneakers and ask them for a shout out. But it's the same kind of concept. It goes to what you're saying about strategic partners yep. and how it can be, you know, maybe you don't need someone's money. Maybe you just need to give someone a percent of sales that they help generate yeah. from their channel. And now you have cash, all the cash you need. It just depends is what you need. But that's a really powerful one that you brought up. And I'm kind of glad you mentioned that because that's accessible to anybody. Everybody that's listening to this call right now has people in their industry. They can make a list of 5, 10, 15, 20. And if you found a way to collaborate, even if you see them as your competitor, if you just like two people have liquor stores, but one decides to be more about whiskey, the other one decides to be more about scotch. Like there's small ways that you can differentiate and create your own culture. And now you can collaborate together. And that's really powerful because I mean, if you had a competitor and they, you know, took three months, every time they got a lead, they took three months, months to turn that lead into a sale. And if after three months they couldn't make a sale from them, they started offering your stuff to that client right? And you gave him a fee, like everybody wins in that case. Mm-hmm. And so it's just yeah. a really powerful way to do it. If you can weave a network of people like that, it can be incredibly powerful. So I'm going to get up the soapbox, but I think that's a fantastic point. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you feel you see people making trying to run online businesses now? Like when you have friends and people that ask you about it and like, Hey, how are you doing this? And what, you know, what are some of the repeat fundamentals that you see missing? Yeah. I think the one who I mentioned at the beginning or you mentioned that it's like, you know, don't pay somebody. Wait, what did you say? Don't do a $10 job if you're a hundred dollars an hour person, you know, I think that's a big one. Most entrepreneurs think they're going to get in there and then do everything themselves because they're going to quote, save themselves a bunch of money. And you're actually losing money by doing that. Right. Yep. And you're losing a lot of time, too. That, I think that's mm, the biggest thing. Biggest it takes one. so much longer to do stuff when you're doing it mm. as opposed to, like, some people that are really good. Mm-hmm. And then I think that's the big one. And just the whole mindset of I'm going to do this on my own. I want to do this on my own. 
you know, I don't think anybody really, like I said, does anything really significant by themselves. I mean, it takes other people. You got to learn from other people. You have to make mistakes, but if you make a mistake and then you go, you turn around and say, okay, well, I'm going to try this again. And you do the wrong thing again. Like yeah. how many times are you going to do it wrong? Yeah. Right. Instead of just learning from somebody else, yep. <laughs> you know, it's so. the idea. I always say right. if you were going to, if you wanted to go to the Olympics for whatever, I always say like a martial art or something, say you want to go to the Olympics for judo, would you get there faster trying to figure it out on your own in your garage? Or if you had three coaches that had all won gold medals at the Olympics in yeah. years past, like right. hands down, you would do better with the team. Even if you just had you alone in your garage or you at a club with a bunch of people who are also all trying to get the Olympics. Like it's just isolation is so dangerous and it's so bad. Yes. It's just not a good thing for anybody in business whatsoever. And it's scary because it's really easy to wake up one day and find out, oh, I've, I've been isolated. I've just been kind of going through the motions. Mm -hmm. I thought of one more example that I wanted to mention, though, about you, the strategic partners and the power of influencers. Dre, Beats by Dre. He sold that to Apple for, what, like a billion dollars, I think it was? <laughs> yeah. That was built yep. entirely off influencers. Like, their, the headphones were already around forever, right? Dre made a right. better set of headphones, for sure, better quality. But there's a, a great documentary about it on Netflix and it was Jimmy, I think Jimmy Irvine's name. He worked for Interscope Records, Interscope Labels and he basically made it so anytime someone came through their office to shoot a music video or a photo shoot that they were wearing those headphones. It was like non-negotiable. It's like if you're going to be in this music video, you're going to wear these. And it just became the de facto sure. thing where now sports athletes, all these people are wearing it and it built up this huge thing and, they, and I don't even know, I've never even worn them but they sold them for a billion and I imagine it's because there's so many people using Beats by Dre. They have some way to download music directly into them or buy and sell, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't really know because I don't have a pair. But it's got to be something that made it worth a billion dollars. And it's not just that people Crazy. want. Yeah. You know, and I think and that yeah. was all built through influencers. That's all that was. A great product that they got everybody who could hold people's attention to wear them. That was really it. They just got them for, they just gave them away pairs. Gave everybody pairs. And got all the influencers wearing them. So, really powerful stuff. Amazing. So, all right. But you see, the biggest thing is not building a team and is refusing to level up and focus on the higher level problems and delegate the lower level stuff. That's the biggest one. Are there any other ones that you think trip people up a lot? I think trying to focus, I mean, it kind of goes along a little bit, but trying to focus on too many things. Hmm. I can't remember who said this, but probably multiple people, but it's like, find the one to three things maximum mm. that you do that's the value for your business, you know, mm. that's like, make the, like, makes the revenue. If you're the person that, if you're the writer, you know, mm -hmm. like, you need mm -hmm. to write, you can't focus, you shouldn't focus on coding your website, right? Because the value is in, is in your writing, that's what you're selling. So that's, I think, the big one. It kind of goes with that a little bit, but just in some people don't know the what the most valuable mm -hmm. action is that they do, and I think that's you know obviously a problem too. So I would say that would probably be second. Got it. So I, I had one of my mentors who say delegate as much as you can, so you're calling the shots, analyzing the stats, and focused on copywriting, which to him encompassed. Yes 
copywriting also encompasses sales, which also encompasses marketing. So for anyone that doesn't know, copywriting is the skill of not just writing, but it's the skill of writing persuasive copy. It's the skill of writing to persuade people and convince them. So everything in marketing is built off of copy because yes, there's lots of images and stuff in marketing, but a picture doesn't quite sell. A picture can make you feel things, it can give an impression, but the word, you still need words at some point. And what words? Too many words. There's like an urban legend that a shampoo, early shampoo company doubled their sales simply by adding the word repeat to all bottles. Lather, rinse, <laughs> repeat, because people just started using more product. <laughs> That's the idea of that knowing what to say can boost sales. And so the idea of copywriting comes, the reason why it's a powerful skill is because to write copy, you have to know who you're speaking to and you have to understand the situation better. It's like a clarity thing. It's like, you know, you get what you inspect type thing. If you really inspect who your customer is and you really inspect why they're trying to buy, it's not about any fancy wizardry. It's about just accurate data and clear communication. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. communicating that effectively at scale as best you can. And so copywriting comes falls into a lot of things. It's about how to do a sales presentation, how to speak from stage, how to do a webinar, all that kind of stuff falls into that. But it's kind of like you're saying, get out of the weeds, delegate everything you can, focus on analyzing the stats that matter to you, you know, and calling the shots and then doing those one to three things you think are best. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the future of all this stuff is going in terms of like online businesses and that? Like, where are we going to be in five, ten years? Well, I don't know about five, but ten, I think there's definitely going to be a lot of AI and kind of, I guess it's like probably a wrong word, but sneaky marketing, (laughs) you know, like more sneaky than there, you know, right now we, you look, you click on an ad and that thing follows you for 30 days, you know, Mm. but I think it'll be a little bit more, maybe not invasive, but you know, if you're walking down the street to like checking your, your size and your, who you are and what Mm. you look like, and then is serving up ads, like based on those kind of things, you know, I think it's probably more personalized things. I, I think that's where it's gone already from, you know, say if you got a a letter in your mailbox you know 30 years ago it wasn't exactly as personalized as as kind of the ads are now right so i think that the marketing will be more even more personalized and every time you know this when you get you know your marketing is very specific to a niche or a market and that individual then the more profitable that is. And so I think that's probably, you know, if I was Elon Musk, that's what I'd do. (laughs) Create those things that are looking at people and, you know, from the outside or even the inside and and finding who exactly they are more specifically so you can serve up more specific advertisements probably. Has your business experience affected you as a doctor? Yeah, I mean, definitely, for sure. I probably look at things a lot differently. I look at patient experience, I think, a lot more than other physicians just because it's sort of like selling and the customer service and what happens and if they're happy or not happy and why they are and all that stuff. I have, you know, I really haven't kind of monetized 
it because I do emergency stuff. And so I haven't gone out there and said, Hey, you know, I have a YouTube channel. And so come to me for your surgeries or whatever that might happen in the future. I'm thinking about that. We'll see. But yeah, I think for sure. Some people don't like what I do actually, which is kind of interesting. A lot of the older surgeons say, you know, you shouldn't have a website. You no doctor should have a website. You should just have patients come to you because you're a good doctor and you have word of mouth. I'm like, well, about that. But there's some physicians don't like the YouTube channel. A little bit too raw for them. Mm. Uh, But I'm just, I'm speaking to my market, right? My Mm -hmm. market is younger kids who are a little bit more loose. They want authenticity. And so I decided to kind of go that direction. So the older folks kind of don't, they don't get that. They just think I'm a profane jerk, but it's really more <laughs> just trying to speak to that market. <laughs> no, I love that. And what do you feel are some of the habits that have helped you be successful, both as a doctor and as an online business owner? I think just the daily routines in undergraduate and med school that I developed, like mostly learning for me has been, you know, lifelong. I always liked learning. I like reading. So I'm interested in new information. And in med school, it was like, you know, I was reading like literally eight hours a day, 12 hours a day sometimes. Mm. And so I kind of still stick with that, constantly trying to learn, you know, to improve. And I think that constant improvement in that, to like, for me, it's just like enjoyment doing that and you know i think that if you're going to do if you're going to be an entrepreneur you better love that because it's a lot you know it it sometimes it can be overwhelming and if you're if you don't you're not going to love every minute of it for sure (laughs) but if you're not you know if you're not driven by something inside saying yeah let's go do whatever let's you know read about this to improve our the business or the website or the customer service or whatever it is, then I think it's going to be, it's like impossible. You know, I think nobody's really super successful at anything that they don't like. You know, you just can't do, you can't put the hours in. Somebody is that loves, you know, building cars, they're going to build cars until three o'clock in the morning and you're going to be like, oh, it's five o'clock, I'm checking out, you know, kind Mm. of thing. So you just can't keep up with the hours. You know, you, you can't match the same hours as somebody else. So Yeah, I love that. And I think you're right because in business, once you figure out a problem, like you figured out a problem and started doing like 10, 20, 30 grand a month, but then a new problem came about and then you solved that one. And then a new problem, Mm -hmm. like business is never ending problem solving. And so if you're not interested in constantly learning and constantly growing and constantly developing, if you don't like having to deal with problems, you won't like having a business because your staff's problems become your problems, your partner's problems become your problems, <laughs> right? Like your customer's yeah. problems become your, your competitor's problems can become your problems. There's just a lot of problems that can go on. It's a much different existence than punch in, punch out, go home, sit down, watch Netflix. Yeah. It's a very different experience where now you're engaged in this world that's constantly evolving and changing and you have to adapt to it and it's adapting to you and you're making assumptions about where things are going and sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong and you know sometimes you learn something and it really pays off and sometimes you learn something and it was it doesn't pay you don't know when it's going to pay off it's just it's that kind of amorphous 
thing, but I think you're right. I think it's about moving in the direction of what you're passionate about, trying to help people, because that's the other thing that came out about your story. It was all about helping people. It was about mm -hmm. building a team. So it was about identifying what are people, and this is where a lot of business owners tend to have to have their focus, it's, it's dealing with the customers. It's knowing the customer, who the customers are, why they're buying, and it's helping get more of those. It's helping make sure customers are happy and helping make sure that more customers are coming to you every month. Because if you're not growing, you're stagnating, and that's a dangerous thing because you're probably going to mm -hmm. be declining. So it's about driving that growth. And a lot of that is marketing and sales and dealing with customers or building those relationships, those strategic partnerships, like you mentioned. So I think this has been a fantastic jam-packed call. Is there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you about? No. Yeah, I mean, we covered, all. I think, all the main stuff hmm. for sure. Yeah, I think so as well. This has been fantastic. If people really resonate with your message and just want to kind of follow your story better and check out what you're doing, what are some of the best ways for them to reach out? Yeah, Instagram's probably the best one. It's just Dr. Buck Parker, D-R-B-U-C-K-P-A-R-K-E-R. -E and then if you're, you know, you want, um, mostly my YouTube is kind of productivity tip geared at students, but they also work in other aspects of their lives. So. Right. And that's uh, Buck Parker, MD. Go check that out on Instagram, or you can go check out Dr. Buck Parker. Well, I guess they're both on Instagram. So you said, is it the uh, ones on YouTube, oh, ones Insta on Instagram? Sorry. Uh, yeah, YouTube, you just search my name, Buck Parker, you'll find me. There you go. Okay. So look for Buck Parker on YouTube or Dr. Park, Buck Parker, MD, on Instagram. Definitely give this a listen to again if you didn't take notes. I think there was a lot of value in here through his personal stories and experiences and just some notes, you know, take a note of what you need to do, what you need to delegate, but set some goals for the next week and 30 days. Really try to get some value out of this call because I really think there was some here. And, you know, I appreciate you coming and sharing because I've been around for a long time and you've been around for even longer. And I think it really helps some of these people that are coming in that are really new and they're just seeing it for what it is today. They don't realize, you know, how the things have evolved over time on the internet. And so I really appreciate you sharing your story and insights because today there's people that might be making a ton of money as a YouTuber, but they don't know that just like you and AdWords, like this is working like gangbusters tomorrow, it might not be there. And so you really kind of have to be yeah. prepared for the future and put out all the root structures that you can. So I think it was a great story. Uh, I appreciate you. I know cool. you're, you've been busy. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. And hopefully we can do a follow-up in a few months and see how things are going. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, 
bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.